Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here with my friend Tim Beadle. We're continuing our work through In the Way by Damien Girk. And we are in the section on uh, contrast, of course, where we have been. But this one is on how the church engages with people. And last week, we looked at how the invitation happens, the appeal versus the call. And uh, we're going into the whole issue of onboarding today. The contrast is between visitor and sponsor connection, which makes no sense at this stage. But Tim, why don't you kind of bridge from last week to this week? We were talking before uh, we started recording here just about how this plays out in, in a regular church. But yeah. Uh, in terms of church, uh, the, the church isn't a building. The, the church are people, although we always talk about the church building. And on Sunday morning, when you look out at, over the uh, faith community, the congregation, uh, one of the uh, measures or metrics we look at is, was the place full? And if it was full, that must be a good Sunday. So this whole section about how we engage with people uh, is so relevant, and it's, it's quite easy to uh, look uh, at what our experience has been in the past and, and objectively evaluate, uh, are we really, really fully uh, obeying what Jesus had in mind for his church? Jesus was the one who said, I will build my church. He didn't say, you'll build it. He said, I will build my church to the point the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Uh, but this one actually talks about how the church is built and what our part is as leaders, pastors, or even uh, fellow uh, lay members in terms of understanding how we engage with people. So, so last week, we spoke about appeal versus calling. Obviously, Jesus told people to ask him to follow him. That's an appeal. It's an invitation. And as we said last week, so much of church ministry is to attract. It's an attractional model. We want people to come. And we invest so much money now, even um, uh, during COVID, of going online, our websites, our building, our bulletin. It's all about trying to get people to come to us. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. However, if that's the extent of uh, our satisfaction, say, hey, look how many new people we had uh, this coming week or month or year, uh, we fall far short of, of the higher calling of Jesus to actually uh, let people know that there's a calling in their life. Uh, are, are we on the right page here so far, Darren? Yeah, yeah. That was a great, you know, great reference to last week because, you know, attractional model versus disciple making call where you're calling people to join a mission. Yeah. As opposed to calling people to to a show, I guess would be the yeah. the, the the maybe the most uh, raw terms to put it. And so that's a difference between sometimes how we operate in a legacy church versus how we must operate if we're going to be in disciple making. Because yeah. disciple making is about calling people to a mission, and really it's it's a high bar entry. You know, and once you know, whereas the other is a low bar entry, and the, the difficulty is from raising the bar in process, the bait and switch can happen, and that's what we've got to guard against if we're going to have a multiplying disciple making movement. Yeah. So if we back the truck up a little bit more and realize that not everyone who comes to church is ready to jump on board and become a disciple maker, that there's a lot of people who are wounded from the past, who are lonely, 
Uh, and, and, and they're just coming to find a place of love and belonging. And, and, and that's why, you know, Jesus said in John 13, like, love one another. This is a new command I give to you. As I have loved you, you should love one another. So, so when we talk about onboarding, uh, we don't want to end up uh, to the extent of, well, this is just an organizational argument. Or uh, we always want to remember that this is an organic uh, body, the body of Christ, and that people are hurting. And therefore, we do a lot of things in the church to attract them to try to meet their needs. I know at our church, uh, we have a grief care for those who have suffered grief and loss. And they can come and they don't have to attend any other thing in the church. And we love them just the same. However, uh, we, we can't limit just meeting the needs of people for their own needs but rather we can't forget the call of Christ. And, and, and I believe uh, because baptism is a public declaration that we're, you know, obviously the symbol of uh, going into the water, death to self and alive in Christ. I believe personally, that's when we have to make sure that those who are part of the church realize that this isn't just about coming together in community but it's about being jettisoned on a mission. Uh, when Jesus, Jesus just didn't say, come follow me and hang out. He said, come follow me and I will make you into something, into someone that you're not, in, into fishers of men. And that's the calling that, that really has been placed on everyone's life. And to be honest with you, uh, if we were to survey the average congregation on a Sunday morning, just randomly and said, uh, what is the calling that God has placed on your life? I don't know if we would even get a 50% return where people says, oh, yeah, uh, Jesus has called me to, to go into all the world and make disciples and make disciples. What, mm. what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's that's probably the case. And that's, you know, maybe that's a, a shortfall in our teaching. You know, you referred a bit almost to the hospital metaphor of the church, yeah. which is which I think is is okay, but it's incomplete because it doesn't always answer the question, why do we get better? Yeah. You know, like what's what's the reason to get better? And I think of, you know, back in the day, I'm sure you know the story of the old healing houses in the early Christian Missionary Alliance where they would have these homes for people to go to who needed deep physical healing. And it'd be a place of, of, of Bible study and prayer and seeking and fasting. But the intent of it was that when you were healed, yeah. you were now a missionary. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the reason for the healing was mission. And, yeah. and so... Again, if we have a church that has caring ministries, obviously it should and, and does, but the the outcome yeah. should be should be the call as opposed to the, yeah. the healing being an end in itself. It is for a reason, just like baptism. You yeah. know, baptism isn't the end of the game. It's the start of a trajectory of obedience, right. of, of identifying with Jesus, not just his life, death, and resurrection, but in his mission as well. Yeah, so when, when you're talking about the healing houses my mind went to a movie starring robin williams bless his soul unfortunately he is not with us anymore patch adams remember patch adams oh yeah and, and his gesundheit institute i think we might have mentioned this uh, many podcasts ago but his belief was that the, you know uh we don't just help those who are sick but we help each other those who are sick and help others who are sick 
uh, and that's how how you actually get healed, and then you get on your way, and you become mm. healthy. Now, I, I, I want to give us five five words. They all begin with the letter A, so you'll never forget these things. Uh, in terms of uh, my work over the last thirty years, working with churches on this very topic of now onboarding is a more recent. Uh, uh, they used to use the word assimilation, but then that that didn't really. Eh, how do we assimilate people? It, it sounds like a painful operation. <laughs> so, so, so listen to these five words, and then then we can unpack uh, how this might relate to uh, really how we engage people in terms of not only trying to get them to stay in the church, but helping them to see the calling that's on their life, as we were sharing last week. The, the first word is attract. And so often we talk about an attractional model. And many, many things that you do in your church right now is for the sole purpose, whether people come or not, is to attract people to the body, to the church, to the programs. If, if you have a really, really uh, uh, good speaker or a guest speaker, you advertise the speaker to attract people into here. Uh, when people are attracted to the church, the next word is associate. We associate with those who have come into the fellowship of the church. And it's the onus on church membership, the faith community, to take the initiative in the association. If you were to go home today and uh, someone is standing at your front door knocking, uh, really the, the onus is on you to, to engage them and find out why they're here. And the same same thing about people who come into the church. We have no, no knowledge uh, for people we don't recognize who come on Sunday, why they are here. And it is our purpose to find out. And we do that by associating with them. Obviously, the Lord has drawn them to us. And now we need to associate with them. And it, it sometimes takes a lot of time and effort. But the understanding is the next A word, we go from attract to associate, is to actually adopt. It's a theological term that we have been adopted into God's family by becoming his children, co-heirs with Christ, as it were. But, but as people come into the church, uh, unfortunately, too many churches just stop at the association. And then people become part of the status quo crowd. And they get to know what to do, when to stand, when, when to give, where the washrooms are in the building. But adoption is a, a, a so important because at adoption... People make a choice if they want to belong to us and we affirm that we want to belong to them. And most churches don't have have thought through how that works in their church. Uh, along the way, uh, hopefully people, if they come to Christ, uh, then they're going to get baptized. And uh, that's when I believe uh, that's part of the adoption process. When people are baptized, they're declaring that beyond just the fellowship, they aren't baptized as members they're baptized as followers of jesus and at that point uh something new happens and then the fourth a word is is called apprenticeship this is this is really a reflection on the calling that is now on their life that that if we are to be a disciple a learner an apprentice of jesus then there's a calling on our life and again you know, you sort of put a gun to the average person's head in the church, and they, they probably don't understand that they are now an apprentice of Jesus, not just a member of the church, even if they don't become members, although that's the goal in most churches. If we can get them to become members, then we got them and move on to the next, and, and we count members, right? That's why in churches we count members, 
We don't count disciple makers. And then the final one is as they grow, as they're disciples, as they find their gifts and they find their place, not only in the church, but in the world, then, then the fifth A word is approve. We approve them to live the life of a disciple maker. And, and hopefully, you know, by the fruit, you will know them. We, we will see a return for the investment, uh, not only based on Christ's calling on their life, but they get it. They, they live they live a life in which they make a difference and God uses them to attract more people. So the cycle, it's a cyclical model. More people are attracted to Jesus because of the life they live. Now that was a run on sentence, (laughs) (laughs) but, but to, to, I, I stand firm on these five words because I've watched for the last 30 years and most churches only do the first to attract and associate and they're, they're brutal at adoption. They do a little bit on um, uh, apprenticeship, but usually to train leaders to do things in the church. And there's never really an approval. They say, okay, now you're ready to go and do this in terms of making disciples. Wow. No, thanks for that, Tim. You know, the, the progression makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you can see that that's, that's kind of, you could overlay this with the ministry yeah. of Jesus probably and everything else. I think the problem, and maybe where the breakdown happens, Tim, is because we tried to do all of that on a, at a certain physical facility at a certain time of the week. That's right. And we try to squeeze all of these uh, functions or purposes into that event. And, you know, if we're seeker driven, yeah, we're going to lean towards the attract, associate, yeah. maybe a bit towards the adopt and never get around to it. If we are, if we're not seeker driven and we have a more, uh, I don't know, a, a, a church gathering that's really explicitly for believers, then that, uh, attract, associate, and you know, evangelism, for lack of a better word, needs to happen out there somewhere and often doesn't happen either. And so if we kind of contrast the legacy church and a, an effective disciple-making movement, you know, in a, in a legacy church, uh, basically, you know, the onboarding is, is people visit the church and then they enter this process. Yep. In a disciple-making movement, people individually are out there and they are, you know, rubbing shoulders with people and being salt and light and everything else. And then once a person joins, quote, a gathering, it's yeah. typically at that point of baptism. That's you know, right. it's typically at that point of of, of being recruited to, uh, you know, full-on mission for Christ. So there's a bit of a difference there. All five stages need to happen, uh, but it's, I think, how it happens where, where the contrast really is in, in legacy church and disciple-making movements. Yeah, yeah. My observation has been that in these five A's, the reason that they don't get to the fifth uh, or even the fourth or fifth is that the goal of the church is one of, we want enough people to keep the church programming going as it is. Hmm. Uh, If there's someone who is talented, uh, they can be a leader. Well, let's put them to to do this program in the church. Uh, None of this uh, from my observation for decades really leads churches to become focused outside of the fellowship Whereas that's the call of Jesus, you know, um, this is a house for the harvest, not a holy huddle. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. and unless people are really sold out to, yeah, it's really important we get together. And that's what Hebrews says, don't forsake getting together. But it's not to hide from the world. It, it, it's to praise together and pray together and then be dispersed. I always remember, you know, uh, when I take my grandkids out in the fields in the summer, and we find those big dandelions that have gone to seed and they're just ready to be blown (laughs) (laughs) and just the amazement when they blow and they see all these little spores dispersing 
that that's a picture of the church hmm. and it's a picture of a disciple uh disciple making a movement that wherever god blows us by his spirit uh yeah we we, we sort of come back once in a while and connect with the lord usually it's called worship on a sunday or whenever hmm. but but that's not the main deal anymore the main deal is being a disciple in the world hmm. You know, I just I just uh, re-listened actually to a podcast, uh, Carrie Newhoff podcast, interviewing Tom Rayner, who's a you know a church yeah, uh, consultant in the states there, and he was talking about some of the data they've been seeing over the last few years of just measuring what's going on in the life of churches, how how a lot of things haven't changed dramatically. You know, the worship is still you know rated high in prayer and and quote discipleship they would call it, which is you know typically teaching in the church and all those things, but the one one thing that is plummeting in the lives of churches over the last while is evangelism. Yeah. Which of course, without evangelism, disciple making is not happening. And that is really, you know, the front end of the mission of Christ. And so I think what we're seeing, Tim, is that the legacy church, churches, we know it is doing a pretty good job of, you know, the attracting and associating and creating a subculture and, and, you know, fellowship and all of those things. And even ministries, uh, you know, building level ministries where people are being taught, but we're not doing a great job of turning that around and and releasing people, motivating people, equipping people for mission. And that's that's really where the point of tension is right now. Yeah, and I think that's because, as we spoke last week, uh, we're committed to the appeal to get people to come, but we fail to place a calling on them in which they will go. Hmm. As Jesus said, come, follow me. But then, then he said, now go, now go out to the highways and the byways and then go into all the world. And I think the church is stuck at the coming of age, as it were, rather than understanding uh, the importance of the going and the mm. going. And because of that, as you said, the, the, the building doesn't become as important, but it sure is important if we're just inviting people to come. Mm. We need I, I've seen churches that don't have a building, church families. And it's hard, you know, they, they struggle because there's there's no focus on trying to maintain a legacy church ministry because they say, well, well, where do you meet? Well, we are we, we meet all over the place. And mm-hmm. yeah, so, so organizationally, I, I love having a building, a place that people can see as a, a point in time, a geographical location where we can gather for the purpose of the calling to go. And then bring people back and allow the programs in the church, nothing wrong with good programs, allow the programs in the church as part of the process and pathway uh, to teach them and then to train them how to do this with other people uh, day in, day out. Hmm. You know, I, I think, you know, as we talk about, you know, solutions into this, uh, you know, you, you mentioned something earlier about baptism, how that's the natural point to really make the call. And, and I think baptism is perhaps something a legacy church you know, can do to, to begin to address yeah. this would be to really understand what baptism is yeah. and make the call to baptism a call to what it really is, which is to repent, believe, and follow Jesus, right. which, yeah. which, which includes joining him on mission. And I mean, you, you made reference to the baptism as a public profession, and, and I know that's a part of it, but I, yeah. I believe that baptism is an act of obedience at its core. Yeah, sure it is. It's, it's a raw act of obedience that sets a pattern of obedience that says, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be an apprentice of him, a follower of him, which means inviting others to do the same. And so I think that point of baptism, the way we prepare people for baptism and unpack what baptism means could be an obvious place to begin to address this issue in the life of a regular church. 
Yeah, unfortunately, many, many churches, you know, obviously salvation, then baptism, and then and then say, okay, now you can become a member. You have to have those two things in place. You have to believe Jesus died. You have to identify with him. But those two things are the prerequisites for membership. And in many churches, membership is little more than a, a club mentality. Okay, now, now you belong to us. Now you're one of us. Mm. Rather than uh, the higher calling. And, and Jesus never never apologized for, for giving a high bar call in people's life. Mm. And, and many left because of that, and he didn't mind. And we've spoken about that before. But in the church, we don't want to lose people, whatever the cost. Mm. And so we've lowered the calling aspect just to become a member. Uh, you can be a member of the Legion, the, the Rotary, the church, whatever, Kiwanis, the Lawn Bowling Club. And it's just uh, we're, we're socialized to just think, well, we, we, that means we just hang out at this church rather than that. And, and we've lost the vision and the celebration and, and the wonderful adventure, I would call it, Darren, mm. what it means to really be a disciple that goes on to make a disciple who makes a disciple. And all the time, the Holy Spirit is just waiting for us to, to start taking those steps because he's the one who leads us in this as well. Mm. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great summary there, Tim. You know, I think you know that really the the take home perhaps is you know looking at your back to your five A's there as we however we seek to do it as we seek to attract people and associate with them and have them adopt uh, you know our 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 view of, of following Christ. Let's not forget to call them to apprenticeship yeah. and release them in equipment for ministry and make that the end game, not just attendance, okay. not just even quote baptism but the whole package of following yeah, Jesus right. and joining him yeah. on mission. I think that's a good place to land the plane today, Darren. Uh, Tim Beadle, Darren, uh, Darren Ride, we do this every once in a while. Uh, please join with us because this is a conversation that's not going to go away uh, because Jesus is adamant. He calls us to obey. He commands us to follow him in this. And what an adventure uh, when we actually take a step and see him work through us. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.